This is Hillaby. And you're listening to WCBN FM. Ann Arbor. 88.3. Bingo. Gouge away. You can gouge away. Stay all day if you want to. Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Michael Dickman is here in the studio. Michael, welcome to Living Writers. Thank you, T. <laughs> Thanks for picking the Pixies. Sure. Um, My be- pleasure. Because after walking through a few streets of Ann Arbor now with Art Fair, it's a little, <laughs> it's like a good music to come inside to. I, I think the, that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> Um, Michael is here. We've got two books on the table. Um, your your latest book from Copper Canyon Press, your second book, um, the let's see the the James. Uh, I've got it's a, it's a, an award winner here, the James Laughlin Award. That's right. Yeah. Um, for second book. Yeah. Second really. book of it's probably even on the a cover. <laughs> yeah. Where are my notes? <laughs> Why can't I remember names? But. Um, but Michael Dickman flies. This was um, winner of the James Laughlin Award of the Ama- Academy of American Poets. Um, and then we also have another book on the table, 50 American Plays um, by Matthew Dickman and Michael Dickman, um, and also out with Copper Canyon <clears throat> Press. And so 50 American Plays, and then in parentheses, poems. Yeah, we could talk about that. There was an argument there. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm anticipating that there were many interesting conversations had while you were making and building this book there were there yes. were yeah yeah for sure <laughs> wonderful okay but let's start with flies great um because this is a long overdue conversation mm. because yes ever since i was at nelp and reading this in a cabin your book um that uh, anyway that i was thinking we need to talk about this book great. so this is this I'm, is i'm willing i'm ready okay. i'm excited okay. and i'll start with the short bio in the back about the author Michael Dickman was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. You know what? That's true. <laughs> That's very true. No quibbling? No quibbling. No, that is that is exactly exactly true. And we could even be more specific in particular, which we learned from um, uh, the end of the West, uh, Lentz is your Yeah, your, that's the neighborhood, neighborhood I grew up in. Yeah, which is a wonderful... Um, uh, exciting in in some interesting ways a working class neighborhood in portland oregon sort of deep deep southeast portland and not the portland of portlandia but but um more the portland of gus van zandt <laughs> yes exactly and with the, the the strange cloudscape that comes through his movie sort of i don't know if that no, seems those like... those um actually those only exist in lens i think are those those cloudscapes <laughs> yeah yeah and you're sort of rough running knowing the streets running in in gangs and you have to run (laughs) you have to to run there's no because the dogs are not on leashes so you just have to keep you have to keep going there's no skipping there's no skipping and before no lattes uh, yeah (laughs) that came later and that was more downtown right that's right stumptown stumptown i love stumptown that's good coffee and i must like just just to say um 
I'm sort of had a bit of coffee myself, so I feel like my tongue. I'm so excited to have you here in the studio, Michael. I'm excited. And to be the here. coffee is. <laughs> we'll be if anyone wants to send us coffee down to the studio. We're happy to drink it. Well, coffee shots. We'll see what will happen next. That's right. And, and before we go any further, a quick shout out to Phoebe Nobles. Yes, hello. And, and August Conrad. Yes, um, my beautiful, talented, amazing wife and my beautiful and talented six-month-old boy and i can Hello, attest, guys. i can attest to this <laughs> very cute he's very, yeah. <laughs> very cute and already ahead of every curve ever set he really he really is and as soon as he can <laughs> as soon as he can learn to do the dishes and then also write my poems i'll just be very excited about the whole thing is is og creeping into poems is he well not creeping is he crawling <laughs> he's not crawling into them yet but maybe soon but maybe soon <laughs> the little handprints will be on them i hope so um well well, Michael, this is it. This is it's great to see you and great Thanks. to have you here in the studio. Um, we've flies. Um, we've got on the table. Um, we started talking a little bit about um, what's at the core of of this book um, when right bef- a little bit off air, and and so it's your your older brother who who died is is sort of a part of. What would would you say is the core of the yeah. origins of the book? Yeah, and that's right. A lot of the um, the poems in the book, Flies, are uh, a group of elegies um, that were written for uh, my older brother Darren, who who passed away, and um, and they actually come from uh, a series of of dreams that I had. And I, I mean, it sounds like a tired joke now, but um, but I really have the most boring. I have very boring dreams, as a matter of course. You know, like. I'll have like a regular dream for me is like um, in the dream, I wake up and I think, oh my God, are we out of milk? (laughs) And then I go to the refrigerator in the dream and I open it and there's milk in there. And I think, no, we still have some. And that's the end of my dream. And my friends, friends of mine, they have dreams that they are flying, they make out with Hollywood stars, (laughs) they become different animals. And my dreams are like, are we out of canned beans? Yes, we have to. Um, Not even in high school, though. Like when you when you always, read your first Pablo Neruda poem, no, it was this was then, not happening e- then. E- you weren't checking for milk. <laughs> my my dreams then were like, you know, um, am I late for my class? No, yes. But when my older brother died for a, a short period of time afterwards, I had the most vibrant and often disturbing dreams that had to do with flies. And sometimes uh, the dreams would be, the flies would be like a regular fly that you would recognize. and um, But then the flies would be doing something or in other dreams. Like a house fly? Like a it'd be like a house fly something? and it would like be like flying around and and uh, but then there would be dreams where there were like giant flies, like uh, the size of myself, sort of like helping me out of bed and like or putting my clothes on. Or serving me dinner. Or dreams where my older brother and I were in them together and flies would be doing things for us or we would be um, sort of chasing flies or doing doing things like that. And um, I didn't think uh, I was going to write poems about the death of my older brother. Um, but then the sort of residue of these dreams stayed with me for such a long time afterwards, like mm. years afterwards, mm-hmm. that, um, that finally I thought, okay, I'll just... Um, I'll just try to get them down into a poem because they weren't going away. Well, it's because your subconscious 
perhaps was working and reworking them somehow. I mean, maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. But okay. but I mean, something was happening where they weren't going away. And so I thought, okay, I'll address them perhaps in a poem. But I but just to be clear that it wasn't necessarily material that um I was looking for or, or wanted to write about. Right. But they just stuck around long enough that I thought, okay. It I'll, wasn't I'll as write if you during the grieving you thought I'll look to poems. Not once. Right. No. Not once. That wasn't I don't think that's at all the sense of the book. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure do people I, I, know it if I, I wonder if would if people didn't know about your life, like some of right. your biography, I mean, you would know that there's a brother and you that would. the brother dies, but there you wouldn't would. be, I don't know. Well. Yeah. I did look to poems as a reader during that time. Yes. For sure. For some sort of like um, help and solace and things like that. Um, but not to writing. I should say that although it may sound... Um, mean-spirited in some way writing has never made me feel good about something you do in my life do you know what i mean like it's never i know it does for people and i i envy right. them right. but but i've never um you know i've never written something and then and then a, a poem that i've written has never solved anything about my life but reading other people's poems certainly help you know um i think me like wake up in the morning and be a human being and, and you know and so and we should all read more poems. <laughs> I, think, I think so. I think, I think so, so too. And I, I like how I think I was reading one of the interviews with you that's been done in like the last year or so. And um, and you you said that you don't like this idea that people keep saying, you know, poetry is dead or something. Oh, yeah. That's just such a tired thing. Um, uh, yeah, it's tired. And it's also um, they don't actually mean it. They've been told to say it. Uh, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, uh, <laughs> I sort of and gather the wagons around. Yeah, so it's, we... <laughs> like they, we've been hearing it for so. You know, I think Keats heard it. Like we've been hearing it. Oh. That death knell has been going on for so long that it's just kind of a knee-jerk reaction to to art in a way. Um, you know, no one reads poetry anymore. We don't. We. It's interesting to me that for at least two of the most um, uh, important moving ceremonies that we have as human beings, one getting married, um, and, and now more and more people can, thank goodness, um, yes. and then also funerals. We often look to poems for those things. Always. Um, always. And, uh, and so um, I don't think the importance of poetry is going away. I think it would be great if we could look to poems on a more daily basis, mm. um, I think it would be helpful to us um, in in all in all manner of ways. And what poems were you looking to today to put you completely on the spot? Were you looking to any? Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> funny. I just, uh, on my way here, um, I was uh, rereading um, what I think must be one of the most beautiful books that was published in 2009, or, or the past, 10 years, um, a really a short book of beautiful poems by a poet um, who actually lives nearby named Jeff Clark. Um, the, the book is called Ruins, and it's, it's, um, it's stunningly beautiful, a stunningly beautiful book. And uh, so I was reading this. And then, and then you met up with poet A. Van Jordan. I did. I was very lucky. I met up with poet A. Van Jordan, whose brilliant new book, The Cineast, is out from Norton. Everyone should go. And uh, and and read that book if you love poems, if you love movies, if you love movies and want to love poems, you should go get this book. It's really a thrilling, thrilling book. And I know they have copies at Literati. 
They yeah. do. Go to Literati. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to that bookstore the other day <laughs> and how, with yes. August. I love it. It's great. It's such a wonderful thing. I've ordered many books from them now. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and maybe get a tote bag. Get a tote bag. Good the t-shirts are very handsome. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a short break and then we'll come back. And, and Michael, will you read a, a poem from Flies for us when I'll we be come happy back? To. You're listening to Living Writers. Today on the program, Michael Dickman is here. I'm T. Hetzel. We've got Stephanie and Tex in the engineering booth. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel. Today in the studio, Michael Dickman is here. We've got his book from Copper Canyon Press, Flies, and we've also got the book 50 American Plays, Poems, um, by Matthew Dickman <laughs> and Michael Dickman on the table before us. And a quick shout out to everyone at Copper Canyon Press, too. Um, so, Michael, will you? we've been talking about flies now. Would you mind reading a poem for us. I'd, I'd be happy to. So this poem is called Killing Flies, and, and this is one of the elegies in the book that, um, like we were talking about before, came out of some of the dreams that, that stuck around after my older brother passed away. Killing Flies. I sit down for dinner with my brother again. This is the last dream I ever want to have. Passing the forks around the table. Passing the knives. One thing I want to know is, who's in the kitchen right now if it isn't me? It isn't me. The kitchen is full of flies. Flies are doing all the work. They light on the edge of the roasted chicken, the bone china. That's what they do, light. I will look more and more like him until I'm older than he is. Then he'll look more like me if I was lost. The flies need to be killed as soon as we're done eating this delicious meal they made. They serve us anything we want in toxic tuxedos and my brother and I wipe our mouths, scrape our chairs back from the table and stand up. 
These are the last things we'll do together. Eat dinner. Kill flies. You have to lie down next to the bodies, shining all in a row like black sequins stitching up the kitchen floor. It's hard to do, but you have to do it. Quietly lie down and not sleep. We don't sleep. My brother and I work hard all night, sticking their eyes onto our earlobes and wrists like Egyptian jewelry. He is my emergency exit. I am his dinner date. Thanks, Michael. Sure, thanks. Uh, I mean, I'd love... I. I, yeah, it's hard to say that you know favorites of in a book of poems, but I I definitely love I, that I. Okay, so that's one of my favorites. Oh, I'm happy. To, <laughs> I'm happy to hear. <laughs> it's nice. I don't know why I'm sort of dancing. <laughs> well, it's hard, but but then it's nice to have a favorite or favorites. But actually, it's impossible because it's one of those situations where um, if I dog-eared all the pages that I loved or wanted us to talk about the whole book would have been like an accordion that's very nice thanks (laughs) too um so so reading reading that too it feels like um it's that that loss of is is there with you too like you've captured it in a way that's not um that's beautiful and and indirect on the the page Mm. and um and and so is this, I feel like this is a, and maybe this isn't true, but this is maybe a, one of the poems that took some like years to, to make in its, because how can we talk a little bit about your process with oh, these sure. poems? Yeah. And, I mean, these, these poems, um, the process for these poems, for the most part, are similar to other poems. I mean, the, uh, technically, in a way, although the... Um, the sort of reason for them, of course, is, is different than a lot of poems that I've written. But um, I'm, I don't know. I'm a very slow writer. And, uh, and, and things, um, I write in little fits and starts and, uh, and slowly write towards some kind of abstract idea of something that I want to hear, really, and also see a little bit on the page, um, but mostly about something that I want to hear. And um, I carry a little notebook ar- around that's stapled that you can put in your pocket and um, and then write down little tiny phrases or, or images or like a half sentence or a word or something. And then at some point, sort of like a magnet, um, those things will start to speak to each other. And then I'll write a draft of something that would be mostly incomprehensible to anyone else. And then... And then for months and months, I'll revise towards a kind of music that I want to hear and a kind of hopefully arc or um, images that I want to to see on the on the page. And I can take, you know, I mean, my, my like lightning fast, I can get a draft of a poem in like four months, five months. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought you were going to say sooner than that. Yeah. Sooner? No, no, no. About, no, about Wait, that. And the then, lightning fast threw me for a yeah. second. I was no, like, no, oh, for okay. Me, for me, that's like really quick. Like a poem, a, 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 what I might think of as a strong draft of something would be usually about four months. Yeah. And then it's something that you stay with. And then it's something that I stay with. And um, I... Are you revising right now? No, no, no. <laughs> No, I, um, yeah. Just so you guys know at home, 
<laughs> Michael uh, yeah, has I his have, laptop. I have my laptop here because it shuts off and I might read something from it later. Um, I'm yeah, just I'm teasing just, you. Hold that thought. I'm just going to revise a I'm, poem. I'm, yes. <laughs> well, as long as we can, we can be of help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, that's, but that's my process. It's really like... Um, sort of jokingly I think of it as like a um, guided by voices sort of process I've never responded to things in the world um, like like I think a lot of people do um, and they make great work out of it where like something happens um, a tragedy in the United States happens or abroad and and you respond to it with a poem or you see something uh, beautiful in the morning and you respond to it with a poem um, I've never uh, ever done that really it's always been much more kind of piecemeal or fragmented yes. um and in some way that i think carries over in the what you would see in the books mm. a little bit although um i think of the poems as uh sort of image driven narrative poems um and not anything more difficult than that they don't have difficult language um and for the most part the diction is 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 easy to follow <laughs> i hope <laughs> it, i like how you say these images first because often there there is there's a structure or it feels like there's a, a mm. narrative there mm-hmm. but it's not something that's um it's not like the poem with the the bull where you're being pulled <laughs> by right, the nose right, right. it's not like that because it's the because i think you're valuing the images first yeah, I think that's right. You know, uh, and as like an afterthought to the poems, uh, I'm, I, or as a reader anyway, I should say, I'm interested in ways of telling a story that are different from straight narrative, especially in 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 poems. And a lot of the poets that I um, admire have a narrative that sometimes will just disappear for pages and reappear. Um, and I think that's really really exciting like there should be more than one way to tell a story i guess right oh thank goodness there is yeah thank goodness right yeah keep to your way (laughs) thanks (laughs) it's working definitely but but this also makes me think what was it like then to work in collaboration and with 50 american plays Mm. with your brother matthew with because your ways of working probably are very different they're they're very different you know um my brother the poet matthew dickman um who i think is brilliant um he uh um but he hi matthew if you're listening uh, but he he works um he writes very quickly and he writes really well very quickly um and so with the 50 american plays we kind of um, agreed upon a, a bunch of aesthetic uh, choices about like how long the plays would be, w- what kind of things could be included in them before we got started. And so we were kind of on the same plane. How did it get started? You, you know, frankly, it got started. The earliest draft of it was um, when we were in graduate school. I needed to, it was like Friday. And on Monday, I needed to turn in a full-length play <laughs> which I did not have. And the thought of writing a well-made two-act play made me want to take a nap forever. And um, the poet Kenneth Koch had recently passed away. That's why he's in it. That's so why much. he's in it. And okay. um, he, uh, so my brother and I were reading a lot of his poems, but also his plays, John Ashbery and Frank O'Hara's sort of poet theater plays. And uh, and Matthew came up with this idea, why don't we why, well, he, he said, why don't you write uh, 50 one-page plays, a play for every state? And I said, this is a great idea. An even better one is 
you write half of them for me. And and so we did a draft like that. We sat in an apartment. Um, with over the weekend. S- over the then. weekend with Central Air. And, uh, <laughs> gotta love it. Gotta love it. And, um, and we divided the plays in half alphabetically. And I wrote 25 and he wrote 25 on Saturday. And then that night we exchanged them. And then Sunday we sat in the apartment again and we revised each other's work. And that was the first version of it Mm. and then over the years it's something that we've gone back to someone would think of something oh what if we did this or what if this happened in the plays and we would go back and and revise them and then um and then matthew uh had a reading done of the of the plays provincetown Provincetown. okay and did you go in for that i did not no no no. but i um but i heard that it was fun (laughs) at least um because the the plays are I do think of them as plays, and um, you do okay because that was this was the argument with Copper Canyon (laughs) because Copper Canyon um, is the greatest poetry press in the country. Um, They do, but they do not publish fiction. They do not publish plays. They do not publish anything but poetry, and so they accepted this manuscript. and I said to them, it's not my fault you're a poetry press and you're going to publish these plays. Like, they're plays, they're not poems. And the editor finally convinced me. And this would me. be Michael This Weigert. would be Michael Wiegers, who's a brilliant and wonderful and friend. And friend of the show. And friend of the show. He's great. And uh, But um, finally we were convinced. And so the what we came up with was that poems could be on the cover, but in parentheses. <laughs> So that was sort of the arm wrestling match. That was the arm, <laughs> arm wrestling match. But um, but yeah, Kenneth Koch and that theater, um, that poets theater is definitely the guiding spirit of these of these plays. Also, um, this, uh, uh, um, Edward Albee said something when asked at some point, um, "How long is a full length play?" He said, "As long the length of time it takes for the curtain to to rise and then for the curtain to come back down," mm-hmm. which meant that you could have a full-length play that was 30 minutes, that was 10 minutes maybe even. And inside a minute. Inside a minute. <laughs> and so we really wanted to try to write one full-length but one-page play for every state. And so for your part of the process, it was it supremely visual then as you're and listening? Like, are you imagining in, in it, it, the, the producing of these pieces? It, it tended to be... Um, it tended to be visual, and the, but then also with an eye towards an act, actually seeing it on stage. So picturing action, yeah. and movement, and I think it, I think it could be done. <laughs> these plays, I think that would be so interesting. And despite I the fact if... that some characters are like a mountain or a tree or <laughs> Kenneth Coke or right. Hamlet or you know, right, right. Yeah. Well, um, will you will you read us one? I will. I will. Let's see. Um, I'll read you. A very short one. Um, this is called Kenneth Koch directs Hamlet in Hawaii. In in Fifty American Plays, Koch um, arrives in the plays um, to be in a production or direct or produce a production of Hamlet. Koch um, was f- partly famous for writing uh, these really brilliant Hamlet uh, plays himself. So, um, Kenneth Koch directs Hamlet in Hawaii. Koch, you don't see your father. You feel your father. End of play. <laughs> you know, and, and so they're that's so, they're so serious though. Too. Like, shortest, I didn't mean to laugh after that. That's the shortest. Um, that's the shortest play. Um, can, Wait, I think we, we have time for one more. One more? <laughs> well, T, I'm going to ask you um, to read one with me. Oh, this okay. is called um, "The Swimming Pools of of California." 
I'll read the stage direction and then I'll play a young man and you will play a young woman. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> the swimming pools of California. California light comes waltzing in across the swimming pool. I'd like a little something to brighten up my drink. Maybe an ice cube. Would you like an ice cube? That sounds great. And maybe a twist of lemon. Yes, a twist of lemon and a splash more vodka. A splash more vodka. You better make it a couple splashes. A couple three or four splashes and ice and a twist of lemon. A lemon from our very own lemon tree. We grow our lemons for just this very thing. End of play. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that one. (laughs) I feel like that could also be California and Florida. It could. Although Florida gets in there, too. Florida is in there. Mickey Mouse and Walt Disney. And and even... um, you know, at the end, we even wrote um, a play for Guam and a play for Puerto Rico. I, yeah. I, oh, the, the Puerto Rico where I was just like, oh, no, because it's about baseball and then you're out. It is. Yes, it is. It's goodness. a sonnet about baseball. Oh, a play. Sonnet or play. About, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> they are plays. They are plays. And how, how was it um, at Austin? How were, how were your plays received? Did I, you? I don't remember. You obviously passed. <laughs> I did pass. <laughs> Wonderful. They may be kicking themselves, but uh, I did pass. <laughs> I have no idea what anyone thought of them at the time. And they're very different now, I should say, as well. Um, they're very different, hopefully stronger. <laughs> and so so this is 50 American plays you've just heard a, a, a little bit, a sample of. Um, today in the studio, Michael Dickman is here on Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll take a short break and be right back. There's a little black train a coming, set your business right. There's a little black train a coming, and it may be here tonight. Go tell that ballroom lady, all dressed in the worldly pride, that this dark train is coming, prepare to take a ride. God said to Hezekiah, a message from on high You'd better set your house in order For you must surely die He turned to the wall in weeping We see him here in tears He got his business fixed all right God spared him fifteen years There's a little black train a coming Set your business right There's a little black train a coming And it may be here tonight Go tell that ballroom lady All dressed in the worldly pride That this dark train is coming Prepare to take a ride Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today, Michael Dickman is here. Uh, We've got his book, Flies, from Copper Canyon Press, here on the table, and also 50 American Plays, Poems, um, by Michael Dickman and his brother, Matthew Dickman. Um, And thanks to Stephanie for engineering, and many congratulations um, on your engagement. (laughs) Woo! All right, we're celebrating down here in the studio. <laughs> um, all right, well, well, Michael, let's go back. Let's turn our attention back to flies okay. for a moment, okay? Great. <laughs> um, so with, with flies, um, I feel like there was a time when um, maybe you were in, uh, help me out with the name of the town in Texas, um, with, I think it begins with an M. Oh, Marfa. Marfa. Oh, yeah, and, Marfa. And I think at that point, when, when you and Phoebe were at, at Marfa, yeah. you were at this point where you were trying to figure out, how do you want to 
have this how how will flies move because you had all the, the poems book. yeah right? that's true how how did you decide what because we've talked about what's at the like sort of the center mm-hmm, of this book mm-hmm. so w- what was the the tension or what was what were some of the revelations like that led to this how you were able to or even to order put it the together book. Yeah. yeah um Let's see. Or is that the worst question ever? Because you can get one pass or two passes. Totally, I'm I'm really fascinated by how books are 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 put together. You know, uh, although the my answer might not be very fascinating, (laughs) but um, you know, I think uh, both flies and and, uh, this earlier book of poems, the the end of the West, um, were both set up. I think in a way like I can't shake this um, mixtape ethos from high school. Do you know? So like where like you want to be like have like a quiet song and then followed like a really loud song and then like you want everything to be perfectly sort of synced in a way. Like the songs you chose for today's show. You know, in some I, ways. I think it's like those songs um one after the other. But, but so there's some sense of that. Like um I did the book is not only a book of elegies. There are other things in it and other things at stake in in, in the poems. And so um I didn't want necessarily like um a, a lump in uh, here is a section of elegies and then part two here is section of poems about mom and then part three here's the um, because also I just think at least my life anyway is not that um, compartmentalized it's like much more um, crazy and overlapping uh, yeah and that. how can you see where something uh, this begins and here, ends you yeah. can't and and, um, and a lot of the, the elegies are not only elegies right and so um so, you know, at some point, Phoebe, you know, I was in Marfa um, under the very kind auspices of um, uh, the Lannan Foundation, and, and Phoebe uh, came to visit me there, and we got all the poems out on a table, and then started reading them and, mo- and moving table. them around. It was a very large table. In Texas, the tables are actually bigger than the tables. <laughs> Stephanie's in, in, from Texas. In, you are? <laughs> It, they're huge <laughs> tables. Um, uh, you know, suddenly the poems look so small on this table. Uh, but we started reading them out loud and then um, and then moving them around. Because something else that can happen, not that you always pick up a book of poems like you would a novel and read it from front to back, but depending on what comes before and what comes after a poem, just like what comes before and after a line in a particular poem, um, the meaning of that changes. It informs it. Absolutely. It has to. And um, and so we were just trying to figure out what happened to the poems when they got moved around. Um, and, you know, also I, I in my poems, I also move, they tend to be uh, sequential poems, like in these little sections. And I often move them around. And often what's published is not what I wrote first, second, third, fourth, but moving things around to see if there's a different story the poem wants to tell than the one that I had in mind, if that makes any sense. Um, so we did that with, with the book uh, and then um, and then sent it to M- Michael Weegers at Copper Canyon and then Michael would have a suggestion about a poem going here or a poem going there. And then also that was a time to get rid of work um, that just wasn't doing anything or wasn't adding um, and um, I'm a little heavy-handed. Like I, I would get rid of much more, maybe. Um, but that's a conversation that I got to have with um, with Phoebe and also with Michael about what should what should stay and what should what should go. You mean you would take you would take out more? I would have poems and have a, I would a have thinner bo- volume. I would have books of poems that were like three poems. <laughs> <laughs> 
one poem. <laughs> well, then, I'll tell you what. When I get a letterpress, I'm going to publish you. <laughs> oh, excellent. Great. Great. <laughs> because I'll that kind of <laughs> typesetting I could probably that's handle. Right. That's right. Um, but, but that's how the book came together. And, and then hopefully that there's some kind of, um, that the music within the poems tracks over the book in some way and that it changes and that it doesn't hit a similar note over and over again. Yeah, that that is, I think, one of the the biggest challenges if you're you're paying attention to the music and almost like some readers might not maybe know that they're feeling the music or uh, and, right. And hopefully not. You know, a lot of the time, like you don't necessarily want to hit someone over the head with with something. A lot of uh, hitting over the head. <laughs> a lot of hitting over the head. Um, I like to hit people, but <laughs> two by um, fours. But uh, but yeah, that there's something hopefully subtle and um and and even beautiful about the way a book i mean a lot of my favorite books of poems work this way quietly subtly beautifully moving along changing tone changing tact often but it's not that it's a quiet book though no no i wouldn't that's say the thing. I, I wouldn't that's say that's what's is. also interesting about your work though you know there's this well, there's, many things at the top of the show we heard a Pixies song. Do you know there's a, a pretty good documentary about the Pixies called um, called Loud, Quiet, Loud? No, I have to see it. <laughs> which is a great, like, if you had to describe that band in three words, I think Loud, Quiet, Loud is a really good description. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, um, well, now this sounds terrible, but I was going to say, a little bit, maybe that's how some of these poems work, that there are louder moments and quieter moments as you move through the book. And, and within a poem itself. Definitely. And within a poem, yeah. yeah. Um, shall we hear? Can we hear another one from Flies? Of course, yeah. Uh, this poem is called "The New Green." Um, this is uh, again uh, uh, one of the one of the elegies. The new green. To wake up every morning in the pines in your bedroom and have to shake off the green night lights is a blessing. I want to burn down the forest that's been growing all night in my brain. I left a note in my brain, in red sharpie. It says, don't forget the matches. Embers go flying up to the top branches. The house gets brighter and brighter. Then I call down the hallway to my dead brother. Then more lights. In my home, in my brain, I'm at home. The pine trees are beautiful and made of green needles. The pine trees are beautiful and made of green needles. I went to sleep, and when I woke up, I was covered in pitch. Nothing really happens to you when you're dreaming. Everyone alive is alive, everyone dead is again. Through the new green, they come back. They can't come back, but they come back. The lights inside the pines are my pillow. I strike the matches on my teeth and light the needles. I strike the matches. I keep being alive. I didn't know that it would get easier, but it does. The rain softly through the last of the branches is your voice. The lights are my pillow. My brother is my mattress. My mother turns off the trees and tucks us in. Thanks, Michael. Sure, thank you.
Well, that's, um, I, that, that poem really gets me to the part where, you, like, how um, in such a, a very slow but short space you say when everyone is again like the the dead mm. and the the people who are alive are alive and then the people mm-hmm. um that's 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 beautiful um it makes me think uh like you were saying that there you're working from images and when i heard that poem out loud i think when i had read it first i read it quietly to myself mm. and mm-hmm. so hearing you say needles for a moment i know which has a completely different it it kind of threw me back to the end of the west oh, and so and, different yeah. use of different a heroin needle yeah 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 but in some way it felt interesting to me to think of like because you i hope you don't probably think of yourself like this but if someone's reading your work and then thinking about what are the things that um like the echoes. Sure, or, yeah. And that would be, I mean, for sure, that would be something that maybe uh, another m- more like self-possessed poet would be aware of, but I have no idea what those are until they're pointed out to me. Um, but I think, all, I think all writers hopefully have obsessions or, yes. or these sort of like um, uh, images that um, and language that that comes back over and over again, and sometimes in different ways. Um, and and for sure, for for me, you know, um, with the end of the West, someone pointed out that that light, yellow um, light, yellow light, and that the word light shows up in every poem. And I and oh, I, is it in, in every poem? In every poem. And I said, um, that's a lie. <laughs> It can't, that can't be. But then I checked, and it was painful to check. But I checked, and it was true. And so there are things, you know, and 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 these two poems that I've just read, light is important still, and um, and and I think that's fine. I think it's lucky to have obsessions and um and things that come back over and over again. The thing that's tricky and that maybe we should or I should be careful of is when they become a kind of um knee-jerk or automatic reaction um then it's time to look at that thing and say uh no more you know <laughs> right right um, right i'll get obsessed about something else yes yeah but i feel like for example um neruda having his very much like the the wheat and the you know there's definitely a thing that comes sure that return over and, and over return. again and oh. and i think most we could we could talk about many many poets who have these these images or these words or these sort of systems of 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 um of uh of language that uh, that re- repeat and come back over and over again. And what about John Clare's bird nest? Oh, you know, I I'm interested in John Clare. <laughs> uh, you know, so I uh, when I was growing up, I was given the opportunity for a really great education, which I worked really hard to not <laughs> receive. Yes through any means possible. Um, and so now I find as an adult, I'm going back and reading things that I should have read. And like, I just read the Odyssey, a great poem by Homer. I, to- I read it. I totally got, I was like, heard of it. Have you? It's really good. And, uh, and like, of course people still read this. Um, and, uh, 
And John Clare, uh, who's an English poet, a contemporary of Keats writing in the middle 1800s, was someone who I've come uh, came across recently in the past year and a half, um, who I'm completely obsessed by. Uh, and Clare was a farmer poet, poor farmer, um, often working on plowshares. And um, he wrote um, many, many poems about birds, badgers, the natural life. And, and birds' nests. And, and in fact, the um, English poet Simon Armitage told me that he knows birders, although maybe they don't want to be called that, in the UK who refer to Claire's poems as a sort of field guide to find where these nests still are. Yes, yeah, I believe um, it. In that area. I, in that, in that region, region. Which I, I love the idea that you would go to a book of poems to figure out. <laughs> from the mid-1800s. From the mid-1800s <laughs> to find out where a nest is in a certain county or Bird, something. Birds, so predictable. Uh, I know, right? God, try to <laughs> and not because they're flying. <laughs> mix it up a little bit, you guys. Um, but Claire... I, I, also was fascinated by Claire because of how fast his poems move. Um, he reminds me of sort of a punk rock band. He'll start a poem um, f- at full throttle and he'll stop on a dime. Um, and uh, I think that's really, and he, he often would not use punctuation. Yes. And then yeah. the, his editors would get in touch with him and say, we're about to publish this book. What about punctuation? And, and as far as I know, his response would be like, put it where you, it feels good to you, but don't bother me. Like, or, I'm and not spell going check, to. right? Like he would not like, I, no, and, and sp- he, he, he you know, he would spell <laughs> things a lot of different ways, which people used to, I think we should get back to this. I think people, so too. People used to be such more creative spellers. Um, but uh, let's but do this. Let's let's do this. <laughs> let's um, do- can I? Can I? Would it be okay if I if I read just um, a a little part of a of a Claire uh, poem? Okay, and then we'll take a short break. Okay, great. He, just to give you an idea of how fast he works, this is from his poem, "The Badger." They hur- they urge him on like dogs and show fair play. He beats and scarily wounded goes away, lapped up as if asleep he scorns to fly and seizes any dog that ventures nigh. Clapped like a dog, he never bites the men, but worries dogs and hurries to his den. And it just goes on and on and on <laughs> like that. It's amazing. It's like, don't you want to put a guitar behind that? I do. It's beautiful. John Clare. Read by Michael Dickman, who's here today. His books on the table, Flies, and 50 American Plays, Poems. Um, You've got Living Writers. We'll be right back.
welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I'm glad you did. You've got Living Writers, and today here in the studio, Michael Dickman is here. Um, and we've just been... Uh, We've been talking about John Clare, the poet, and, you know, well, getting a little bit closer to that, that side of the world, too, um, you've just returned from some time in Ireland. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, my wife, Phoebe, and our baby son and I took a very exciting trip to, to Western Ireland. So Og has a passport. <laughs> he has a very amazing passport where, in the photo, his eyes are closed. <laughs> They don't let everyone do that. They don't. They wouldn't let us do that. Um, but it was really, it was exciting to go there because Ireland is, of course, where poetry was invented. <laughs> and um, and it was great to be, and, the, and it was a, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful trip. It was really exciting. Uh, the donkeys of Ireland. There yes. were many donkeys and, and, uh, and, uh, and it was beautiful. We saw the Blasket Islands and it was, it was wonderful. Oh, yeah. wow. And, well, you, and you were there to do a reading. Yeah, uh, I did. I read with um, Tracy K. Smith oh, at, um, at a, a, a Cork festival there at the Triscoll um, Church. It was very beautiful and, wow. and, and a lot of fun. It was great. And they let you bring beer into the church, which they did not, when I was growing up, let you bring beer into that, a that, church. That so. seems like a new thing. It was, it was great. It was great. <laughs> the, the New Ireland. That's right. <laughs> um, well, we've been talking about flies and also, um, and, 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 well, we've been talking about your work, um, but let's also talk now, even thinking about what's happening now with, with your book. You, you've. I've asked you to bring a new uh, poem, and you've obliged. I think I brought something. I brought something new. I mean, it's slow. Like um, having a a baby. Um, it, this poet um, Graham Faust told me that having children made poems both less important and more important at the same time, and uh, and that's certainly been true. So, like, I've just barely now and maybe the last 24 hours been able to think about really pulling away and not staring at this amazing creature for every second in order to try to make something um and also at the same time i want to make something good for him you know um but uh, i brought since we were talking about claire I, um john claire i brought a, a a new poem called dog vertigo which um in some maybe clumsy way takes some things about claire's poems that i really love and put them into a poem of of my own um so i'll read that to you is that okay okay um so uh this is called dog vertigo some teeth down there, some hair and gray gums, some grass and dirt down there, some gristle and whimpers, all stupid grinning death, running around the yard, making a little child cry from each busted grass blade. I had a dog. I had three dogs. I sit and stay. They did not disappear into the trees one day. Their brains were not broken coral on the street. They were meat. Some grass and dirt down there, some teeth and ruined carpets. I had a dog. I had three dogs. I eat fleas. All stupid grinning death, running around the yard, making a little child cry from each busted grass blade. Some eyelashes down there, some eating grass and mange, some baby's breath. One day their brains were not broken, coral on the street. They did not disappear into the trees. Some sit and stay down there, some meat and sunlight. Their brains were not broken, coral on the the street they did not disappear into the trees they did not eat fleas all stupid grinning death running around the yard making a little child cry from each busted grass blade some bones and baby's breath down there some bark and seizures 
distant, watery eyes. One day, I had a dog. I had three dogs. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I sure. thought so, but then I thought I saw you paging. <laughs> no, and that there's 100 more pages. <laughs> uh, well, it's a t- hats so, off to John Clare. Know, I can see the influence. <laughs> well, that's moved so much. So just to even on the surface to say how you read that was so it, different. It moves the, much more quickly, I think, and and um and also repeats. There's a way where in the past I felt funny necessarily about repeating certain the same words over and over again in a poem or this idea of like you don't want to repeat yourself or something but claire repeats words over and over again so much that they become this sort of like wall of sound or something that um that again reminds me of certain punk bands i used to like growing up and so i thought okay well i'll divest myself from this worry and i'll just try to repeat things and mix them up and uh and see what happens and so that's that's a draft of something and, so. it, and it, thank you for reading uh, sure. that because because i know that must be hard in a way because it's like well i need a couple more years with that one <laughs> yeah no it's true I mean, yeah no I, 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 but yeah, thank absolutely. you yeah, sure. thanks for no, doing no, that and, and it's it's beautiful to see um the because you're talking about music and and i think in a poem that's moving like this one mm. that you've just read to us, we can we can feel that, and we can mm. feel like how you're being pushed forward into it. And then, as listeners, um, receiving some of the lines, but in new, like being able to feel and anticipate language uh, uh, by the midpoint of the sure, poem yeah. in some ways. Well, that uh, that or, would be nice to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I suppose um, it's always trying to make it uh, like having that this um injunction to n- have it mean something new as you're move if, if you're repeating it too is this strange um injunction to have but it works with the sound quality mm. uh, the, the shifting and moving would you say or i mean i can't say i i hope so yeah. <laughs> i hope I, can't, I, I really can't say i hope I, I hope so it would be great it would be great to think so yeah I, I was worried that it was like with the dogs and the gristle and i was like oh michael's gonna kill the dogs no no the dogs <laughs> not you but like the, dogs, the poem is going to <laughs> the dogs get to live um but that's a unique poem the these new poems um that i've been writing lately um they don't all move that fast or repeat that that often although um they do tend to be more and more about animals and trees and um birds uh and more so than um these other two books that are peopled with people and with family and and friends and um in some way and uh these new poems all tend to be about deer or flowers <laughs> so we'll see what is we'll this princeton that you live in <laughs> it's uh it's the garden state it's they it's that they call it that for a reason <laughs> the, the the fawns in the yellow light michael the, fa- the yellow you know they're all there they're all there um and so with the with the new poems too how um how is it for you bec- with wanting to be with them for quite some some time mm. um is there a, a pressure to make a, a third book i mean we've got the 50 american place you know there's yeah. they, there's work of yours that yeah you have, but the um the if there if there is and there's very little the, the pressure would only come from myself 
you know, it doesn't come from any. I, I right now I um uh, I teach in the creative writing department at Princeton University. Um, they are uh, amazing and wonderful, and and would never even ask me if I was working on something, you know. And so there's no pressure from them. Um, there's no pressure from Copper Canyon. Um, you know, you hope that they would be excited if you had new new things. Um, but that kind of pressure would only come from myself. And I try to be, especially with with um, uh, the dazzling August. Now I. I I'm trying to be nice to myself or easy on myself. Yeah, and and there's no there's no hurry, you know. I mean, um, there's no, there's no not. Hurry. <laughs> and you and you of all poets know that. Be, and nor should there be. No, there shouldn't be. No, no. And and also, you know, if if I had a manuscript, which I don't, but if I had one together now, Copper Canyon wouldn't be able to publish it for two years anyway. And so there's um, plenty of time, which I think is a great 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 thing people should spend more time and this is going to sound strange but white space how are you feeling about white space in your life now uh, i love it on the page <laughs> on the page <laughs> i think it's really important you know um uh the this poet jory graham said that she thinks of it as um as actually like breathing and and not necessarily a physical space but that it's a kind of long breath, and um, and I really like that, and and um, and uh, I want people. Well, I I take so much time getting through a poem as I make it that I hope that the white space is a kind of breathing space for people as they as they move through, you know. Um, and so I'm I'm still all for it. I'm very excited about it, and I think Amen. of it as a real tool. Like I think of it as like a. Um, for me, anyway, it, it, it has the same power as a word. You, you know, it's a real tactile thing as well. So um, I'm, I can't rid myself of it, of it yet. <laughs> and also, I haven't figured it out. And so it's still really exciting and fun to try to use it and find out what it's for and what it can do. Well, I look forward to seeing more of what it, it does for you. For you and these wonderful poems. That of makes yours. two of us. Thanks. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on the talking well, thank with you, me. Thank you. Thank you so much, too. I really appreciate it. It's and, great to see you. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Stephanie for engineering. Um, you've been listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. Me. I don't blame them goodness, no. 
It's 5 o'clock. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, broadcasting live from the belly of the beast. It's time for the Drive Time Polka Party. Thank you. 